The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? So, this is an interesting martini. It's a gingered pear martini. Okay. And so, there's some variations that I can share, but for right now, I'll just tell you what's in it. It's two ounces of pear vodka, two ounces of pear juice, an ounce of ginger liqueur, and then you shake it pour it straight up, and then sprinkle a little nutmeg on it. And if you want it to change a little bit, you can use like a vanilla vodka instead of pear, and it changes it again. Yeah. Well, it's got a couple of my favorite flavors in it. Do you see the top? Yeah, the nutmeg looks pretty. Well, the nutmeg's on it, and it's starred. Look at the top of the – just look at the surface, how the drink has starred. Oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't that wild? That is wild. It's really pretty. Okay, cool. All right, let's try it. Well, nutmeg. Wow. That is like a delicious, delicious, delicious fruit juice. That is delicious. Yeah, that is dangerous because that is absolutely like the best type of pear juice. Oh my God. It is delicious. It's really good. (laughs) Wow. That's that's really good. You know, it's crazy as I went looking, I thought that is delicious. It's all the recipe. I yeah. knew and I've been looking like we have pear vodka I want to use and I yeah. want to use ginger. Something. I think those would go ginger's yeah. good for fall. A lot of things, right. And so I was like, I'm gonna try to figure something out. So I found the recipe and I was like, Oh, it has pear juice. I go, Where do I get pear juice at? <laughs> and of course I was trying to get the tire fixed today. Yeah. And I went into the store and there Bottle was pear juice. Pear juice. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I found it. That's so great. Yeah. This is a delicious cocktail. It's really good. I mean, it's... I mean, I'm sorry you don't have any more I know pear, pear. vodka. But we have vodka. We can still make it with vodka. <laughs> we can still make it. <laughs> yeah, we can still make it. Because the pear juice is yeah. the pear flavor you're getting. Yes, exactly. The pear vodka is definitely pear. Yeah. But that's not what you're worried about. No. You can uh-uh. use regular vodka with this. No, this is fabulous. Great drink. God, the good... Good. You, good you smell it? Oh yeah, it's delicious. It's just like it's like everything. I'm, it's about like it. I'm smelling a Bartlett pear. I know everything about it is delicious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. 
you know, our entire podcast is about exploring sexuality and really demystifying it. That's the best part. It is. It really is. We've learned a lot through the conversations we've had with various people. And every once in a while, we run into somebody who's been on a journey of their own and they have found a place in kink. Yeah. And today we have little guy on the conversation. So little guy, welcome to the pod. Thank you very much. I am excited to be here. Well, we're really glad that you're here. We always invite our guests to share their journey in sexuality. So why don't you tell us what your journey is from the beginning, just how you discovered yourself as a sexual creature and how that evolved over time to what you're up to today. Sure. Happy to. So for me, even at an early age, there were feelings of, or sexual feelings of dominance, adolescent fantasies of having, you know, older men in charge, uh, if you will, or, 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 or more as protectors. But I was typically in my mind, you know, at their feet naked and doing whatever they wanted me to do. Growing up as well, there were boys that I was attracted to and that were attracted to me. And neither of us, I think, really kind of knew what the nature of that attraction was. But again, it was, there was that power dynamic and there was that protectorate that was involved. As a young adult, I became aware of John Retchie's work and have read almost everything that he's written, but really took to heart the exploration or the expression, if you will, I'm sorry, of my sexuality as really a means of standing up to the heterosexual society that really was okay by and large if we existed, but only if they didn't know what we did. And so I jumped in really heavily and, you know, really my, my sexual exploration was really all about quantity and public and uh, group sex. And, and, and really that was the, the expression that, that was my primary expression up until my fifties. It was a kind of a sexscape of, of uh, a lot of folks and a lot of activity and a little bit of, of water sports thrown in. I did find myself attracted to watching videos that were produced by kink.com, specifically bound in public. And initially I was attracted to the exhibitionism and, and the, the gang bangs and all that. But what started to intrigue me were the S&M components. And specifically, initially, I began to think about what it might look like to be or feel like to be beaten. And kind of as, as that interest kind of ruminated um, and, and took hold, uh, I began to reach out to find ways that I could explore that. And my first exploration into that was really with a pro Dom and one of his colleagues here in the Seattle area, along with a fuck buddy, basically, that I had been playing with occasionally for a few years before that. Well, that's an amazing journey that you've explored. A couple of questions that come out of your story. One is, you mentioned your age, and so I'm curious about how you managed to explore sexuality the way that you did for the duration that you did and avoid getting caught up in the AIDS crisis. That's the first question that I have. (laughs) 
So up until very recently, I was not really very, it, was, it wasn't very easy for me to be the receptive partner in anal sex. In fact, it happened almost not at all. And then by the time I really learned how to be able to do it and certainly love it, I was on prep. Got it. Okay. And then the second question that comes out of your sharing, you mentioned that you have this desire to be beaten. So I'm curious about your sense of yourself as a masochist. So how did you discover yourself as a masochist? What was it about being beaten that drew you to S&M and to BDSM in particular? You know, I, I, I really don't know. I There was something about watching guys being flogged, flogged specifically, that I could kind of almost feel what it would feel like on my back and that I would like it. As a child, I would do certain, I, I wouldn't hit myself, but there were certain things that I would do from a pain perspective, like wrap a rubber band around my two front teeth to, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, and I would put needles through my fingertips, things like that, turn my fingernails back all the way uh, against themselves. But that was really it from a pain perspective. There was just something about watching someone being flogged that I felt that I would lean into that sensation. Through your discovery, have you found yourself as a masochist leaning towards like the pain slut side of masochism or the actual sensual side? Because they both take you different places and as well as the they're a little bit different type of subspaces. Yep. It's probably the sensual side. And so do you get aroused? Yes. While you're being flogged? Yes. Okay. Do you, I would have to ask this because I'm a masochist <laughs> and I'm a sensual masochist. Yes. Do you orgasm like just on your own while being used in a masochistic way? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. See? I can, yeah, I can, I can have orgasms almost continuously once I reach a certain point. Wow. That's awesome. What's your favorite impact implement? Well, okay. So <laughs> uh, recently... I had my first experience where, oh golly, what was it called? Where somebody beat me with a baton until there, and what he, what he said it was, was a button. So it was an area on my thigh that was it's probably, probably about five inches in diameter. And he, he just kept hitting me um, in that one spot with that baton. And that has become actually... One of those things that the, my relationship to is both love-hate, which I have a similar relationship with needles, by the way. Um, and then I also like actually just, I like being hit with fists. When you first shared the beating uh, interest, that's the first thing that came to mind. And then off, yep. offline, Safranar going back and forth. What does he mean by that? Does he mean heavy impact or does he mean beating? And I thought you meant beating, like actual beating. And so... Are you looking for like closed fist, open hand? Are, I mean, are you the kind of mascus that it's the sensation at the moment or do you want marks to relish later? No, the sensation in the moment. I mean, the marks are great. And in, 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 in fact, there, <laughs> there, there was a time with a dom that introduced me to almost all of my experience with floggers where I am small. So that's why <laughs> my name is a little guy where the floggers were wrapping around my body. So although the bulk of 
where the impact was was on my back. I had marks the front uh, up and down the front of my uh, body on the side because the flood was was wrapping around. But it is the feeling in the moment. I, I, I the the marks were great to have. Is kind of oh look at that. But no, I I don't need them. Curious if with the closed fist, open hand beatings. Are you looking for body blows, face blows? Like, what are your, what's your desire? Body blows and I would say closed hand over open hand. Is it also about like a beating can escalate in a, you know, obviously in a, <laughs> I wouldn't say beatings are a good thing in normal environments per se, because usually that means you're being mugged or something. But let's just go in that perspective. The beating gets to an escalation and then it's about the person receiving, the catcher of the beating is retracting in it. And there's, there is something about the retraction similar to with tickle play where people retract, there's a euphoria that happens. Are you getting that type of euphoria? So I'm not entirely sure what you mean by retraction. What I will say is, yes, I get, I do get a sensual experience from it. But what I actually try to do is lean into it so that whatever the impact is, the way I think of it is it, it kind of envelops me. And I try to like open, open myself up to the actual blow as opposed to, I, 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 again, I'm not sure if I know what you mean, but retracting from it. Well, retracting is withdrawing. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I try to lean in. I mean, that's, there have been times too where, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I, I have felt that I have been able to anticipate where and when another blow was going to come. So I got to ask you this. So that's powerful for a masochist. So when you do that and you have, and you're right, let's say you're correct. There's a huge power move with a masochist when that happens. Do you feel that? Well, Yes. When you first said that, my reaction was, well, absolutely not. No, I'm not in charge. That, but, you know, and there's no power. But I mean, at the end of these sessions, I have never felt as strong, as assured of myself as I do when they're over. And additionally, you know, let's let's just say that there, there may have been, you know, a, a drink or, or, or something involved stone cold sober when it's done. So I'm pulling at you right now because I can feel you. My masochism is like high hackles up right now. When you're in this type of scene, just a curiosity, is there music playing in the background? There usually is, but I don't hear it. Correct. I get that. So I'm just going to share my experience. This is something to play with because I've, I've gotten in touch with something in my masochism that has transported me someplace else. Okay. Did you ever play an instrument or do you love music or yeah, anything like um, that? Yeah. I, uh, piano and guitar. I was a voice major in college. Of course. So pay attention. <laughs> oh my God. This is important because I play violin and I was an athlete. There is something about masochism if you, and not every masochist is this way. So, but it's something to play with and try. To have the play, the impact play, whether it's you're getting beaten, you're flogged, whatever, in sync with music, whatever the downbeat is, whatever it is. So, you you know, if you like a faster downbeat, pick a faster song. But it is something to play with, you're dominant with, because all of a sudden, at least for me, my world opened up 
completely. Like my masochism, I'm a heavy impact masochist now. I don't think we've found my limit on flogging yet because we've done thousand strokes. I don't know how much long and I could keep going. The only reason we didn't keep going at the time was because I was bound and my ankles were going numb, but my ass was fine. Yeah. <laughs> but there's something about the rhythmic nature, the predictability of the downbeat, whatever have you. It isn't something you're taking from your dominant. Your dominant is still the master of the implement. Right. But the downbeat gives you some power. And as soon as you as a masochist have power, it opens up worlds for you on the dive you can take. Oh, wow. That sounds and And, and, and honestly, yeah, I mean, I have felt or gotten into whatever the rhythm was, certainly, when it's happened. But that sounds fascinating. You know, what you're really experiencing that euphoria that you're experiencing. That's really an endorphin rush that you're getting. And that's really akin to what distance athletes experience, right? They get into a rhythm mm -hmm. and it's and a repeating And there's pain rhythm. ongoingly. And there's pain ongoingly and it's right. a repeated rhythm and it just keeps going. And then that it, the endorphins kick in and that's why people can run 26 miles. Right, 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 right. That's interesting. I mean, well, and I, I do run, I don't run full marathons anymore, but I do run half marathons. And so I'm, I, I, it is very similar. Yeah. So you have to try this. The music has to be loud enough that you can't, because I too go into subspace and stop hearing stuff, right? Right. So the music has to be extremely loud. Plus that helps the dominant because they're also in dom space and they can pick it. What's fantastic is you're giving your dominant choice over the downbeat. You might as a pianist or myself as a, violin player have a particular notion about the downbeat. And regardless of whether your dominant has played an instrument, they'll pick whether it's a syncopated or on the downbeat, but they'll pick something. When we were doing play early on, Safra was indiscriminately just doing whatever he chose and it was not syncopated with the beat or anything. And I remember telling him after a scene one time, I said, why don't we try it with the downbeat? It's not that I'm telling you, you have to give me so many strokes or I only want so many strokes. There's something about I'm anticipating the downbeat and I'm readying myself. But what it did for me early on as a new masochist was to say, oh, because I can predict that my head got around the idea of pain and it changed how I perceived the pain. And then I was like, bring it on, game on. Right, right, right. And I would expect with that small degree of kind of anticipation, or at least you're, you're able to kind of sense, you know, or, or predict when it would enable you to lean in more because you're, you're opening yourself up at the, at the time. At the root of it, the idea now is when we are in a flogging, because I generally am getting three to 400 strokes before we start caning even. I'm actually rhythmically moving into the next strike. Leading in, for sure. Right, right, I, right. I move yeah. myself, my body actually moves to, toward the direction of the next strike. Yeah, I, yeah. And it's powerful. <laughs> I, I, I have experienced that once or twice where I felt m myself turn my body to meet, match, accept, you know, a blow or a, a, a hit. Interesting. Oh, that's great. It allows you to still be in your position as a submissive, but really it gives a ton of power to you and your dominant because you get to go deeper. Oh, it's exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, think about BDSM and kink is it's a journey, not an event. And so you have an opportunity to explore the boundaries of your, you know, submission and your masochism 
by just being open to new and interesting ways to interact with what you're dealing with at the moment. Right. Absolutely. So what's next for you? What's the next iteration of Little Guy? (laughs) So I feel like I'm still experiencing new things that, that, that perhaps to others who have more experience, you know, kind of may have moved beyond. And I feel that the world's still wide open in that regard. I have started to play with a man who is pretty well known as a bondage and rope rigger master, as well as a hypno kink master. And we've started to explore those things. Where it's starting to go with me overall, though, is it is has been primarily about the experience, the physical experience, and then kind of the high or, or, or space that you get into. It has actually started to move into things that are more emotional and tap in more to my psyche, which excites me, but really kind of scares me. I totally get that. You know, a few months back, we started playing with HypnoKink. And the reason we started playing was because the experience of our scenes eventually put Lady Petra in a subspace space, like a trance, like a trance state. But it took something to get her there. So we started playing with HypnoKink to get there faster. And the impact of that has been that the combination of being quickly in a trance and starting our scenes with the trance induction has led to both a way higher experience of our sexuality, both in intensity, not so much the duration, but the experience that we're having as sexual partners that gesture towards energy play as opposed to just kick. Yeah, so that's exactly the way I've experienced it, that there is something that is, there, it's, the, it's an energy. I'm, so again, it's been about the physical experience or, or for me, and I'm not really big on protocol kinds of things or also I'll say performative kind of, you know, master sub roles. But what my exposure to the hypno kink has done is it's introduced that emotional component in a way where I feel I feel very submissive. Which is fascinating. What One of the things that we've been exploring is it was happening before, but we couldn't discern it right off the bat. In a normal scene before hypno kink, I would go into subspace. And, and I remember commenting after a scene saying, I could really feel how dommy you were. With the hypno kink... The sheer act of me being put under, as well as Saffer putting me under, we're now at a point, because we've been doing it regularly, that he is going under as fast as I'm going under. And there's like this mirror neuron kind of thing happening. And we hit a point when we actually begin the play after being tranced, it's already there. Like I'm already subspace. I'm And then... And then as I, through the physical interactions, drop deeper, because I will drop deeper, he is actually going higher with his dominus, like to the point where he's differentiating, like, I can't believe how I feel right now. Like, I can't get down, uh, you know, post aftercare, 
I'm usually taking a nap. <laughs> he's covering up and he's having a whiskey. I might get up from my nap and he's still hot. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'll have to ask. <laughs> I'll have to ask how my doms have felt after these instances. But I agree with you. I mean, just the very act, I mean, the, the being put in trans, you're already, you're already at that point, you're already in subspace. The other situation where I've experienced that almost immediately is uh, with rope when I've been tied up. There's the, the, the physical act of actually, like, for example, having my arms put together and, and having rope wrapped around them will automatically put me into uh, at least the beginning of some sort of subspace. Yeah, that's a common experience amongst rope players. Yeah, because the actual time it takes to get you roped and rigged, whatever they're doing, even if it's simple, you're experiencing the sensation, the mental basic, you know, mind fuck, if you will, of yourself being in this submissive role and you drop right. and you can drop quite fast. That's why rope play, they always talk about having to check in with people and also taking people out of rope after so much time because people will continue to drop. Right. Yeah. Well, Ugai, I wonder if there's anything else you want to share with us that you haven't had a chance to talk to. Uh, no, I guess not. Other than this experience or these experiences or kind of my exploration into this has really brought me into my own in a way that I've never felt before. It's, it's made me, again, like I said, I feel much stronger, much more capable, much more at home with myself than I've ever felt. Well, you know, it's been our experience and we've done 460 of these conversations over the last few years. And it's our experience that the people who are living their true authentic self-expression as sexual creatures have a carryover into their regular life that is completely unrelated to their sex, but it actually does fulfill on your self-awareness and your ability to express yourself and your ability to stand your ground completely. And I think that that's to be expected when you are your true authentic self-expression. And that's exactly the way I've experienced it. Yes. Thank you. Been a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Uh, this was really enjoyable. Thank you very much. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!